Hey, it's a Saturday and we are out and about. This time we're walking over to uh, an area near Elmhurst Hospital. And at this area, we're going to take a quick visit with Marvin Jeffcoat. Now, we're doing Marvin again because the last interview we had with him, unfortunately, uh, we didn't have the greatest audio. So we're making this up to him by uh, giving him another shout out. Now, again, to his opponent, Miss Juan. Uh, we realize that, uh, that we have not uh, given you a chance to uh, air your side of things. When we have uh, called uh, your campaign line, it's been crickets. Same with Eric Adams. We have not heard from Eric Adams that much. We did interview Curtis Sliwa, uh, who seems to be very interested in talking to people. In fact, he, he was talking to people a while ago on uh, 77 WABC. Some of the demonstrations turned into riots and looting, especially June 1st, June 2nd. It's complete anarchy in the streets. The cops obviously stood back. I believe it was because of the orders of the mayor. And we guardian angels crawled right into the belly of the beast. I had my jaw broken. Other guardian angels were fighting off looters. There was no one to depend on other than the guardian angels. And oftentimes, that's what happens in neighborhoods. Now, look at the proliferation of guardian angel patrols. Never would have thought 42 years ago we'd be, be patrolling the Upper East Side, but we are now. The Upper West Side, Little Italy, Chinatown, Wall Street, Inwood. Never would have thought that. In fact, they wouldn't have let me walk through the neighborhood because they would have thought with my red beret, property values would drop. And now we see the problems everywhere. And most importantly, when you look at 42 years, a lot of young men and young women who are on the brink of either being part of the problem or becoming part of the problem, who will tell you through their own uh, chronicling of their time as a guardian angel, how it taught them self-esteem, it taught them that they had to do for community, and how you can reclaim your neighborhood without constantly blaming the police, elected officials, but scrape the barnacles off your backside, get your rear and gear. And I don't think anybody would doubt the two major accomplishments the subways in the 70s and 80s where there were no transit cops at night, and Times Square in the age of crack, when even Ed Koch said to uh, those on Restaurant Row and Broadway, if the guardian angels patrol, I'm not going to give you police protection. And those owners and operators said, you know what? We're not getting it now, so we'll depend on the guardian angels. That's the gateway to the world, Times Square. With all... So, you know, you, you look at all these things and you listen to what Eric, uh, what, what, uh, what, what, uh, Curtis Lee was talking about there. Uh, not Eric Adams. Eric Adams isn't talking to anybody. I mean, he is totally missing in action. You could say that uh, he's on vacation. He's just waiting to be installed. He's just waiting for his ordination. All these media outlets around the city and around the country are just saying, oh, he's the next mayor. Really? Well, he hasn't been voted into office yet. And uh, he still has to get my vote as a New Yorker. He, has, he hasn't earned it, you know. I've heard Curtis Lee talk about everything uh, under the sun, basically. But uh, but uh, but uh, since winning the primary, have we heard anything from Eric Adams? No. He's out. He's on vacation. For all we know, he could be in Jamaica, man. You know, I mean, let's let's face it. We do not know where this guy is and what he's doing. Maybe he's just counting the checks from uh, all the donors because a lot of those donations uh, are, are, are pouring into the Democratic Party. I haven't even seen one television ad from Adams. 
You know, he's not spending anything, and yet he's raking in the dough. So where does the dough go? That's a big question. That's a very big question. And what is it for if the race is in the back? Anyway, let's go over to Marvin Jeffcutt. Jeffcutt has a lot of things to say on crime as well, as you heard there from Curtis Lee, that was from the uh, debate that he was in uh, during the, uh, during the uh, primary for the Republican nomination. Yeah, he did actually take part in the primary, and yes, there were several Republican candidates, and of course, he's running both as an independent and a Republican at the same time. And uh, I believe Libertarians have also adopted him as a candidate and, and some other city parties. So let's look at this situation as it grows. And of course, uh, as we know, the top issue in this campaign in New York City is crime. The fact that there is no punishment. The fact that there is no accountability. Let's listen to Marvin Jeffkin. So uh, Marvin, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about a lot of topics so far, but we haven't really discussed the major issue of the campaign. And probably the main issue that even for Democrats is the reason that uh, Eric Adams won. The fact that he was a former police officer and the fact that uh, uh, crime is the major concern of probably every New Yorker. Yeah, that's correct. Eric Adams won a Democratic primary. But, you know, we're looking at a former police captain. um, And I don't know him personally, but I I know some people that were on the job. And uh, they don't speak favorably of him and his... his, um, attitude toward police. And, and I think that's apparent because, you know, here we have a former police captain that will not stand up and say, stop disparaging and stop scapegoating the greatest police department in the world. I think if uh, Adams did win, you would see more of the same de Blasio policy. He may put funding back in the NYPD, um, kind of like uh, what socialists do with money is they they bribe people. So, yeah, he may fund some programs within the department, but you're playing closed units and uh, good old-fashioned policing. Um, stop asking Frisk. Settle law. Terry v. Ohio, 1968. I don't think he's going to support that. And cops will tell you on the beat, it works and it protects them and it protects the citizenry. Um, if you see somebody looking suspicious and uh, they're casing a the joint like Terry back in 68, you know, the officer should have the ability to do a pat down. And, uh, you know, if, if there's nothing wrong, you know, I apologize, but you did look suspicious. Have a nice day and build that rapport with the community. But if uh, there's a dangerous perp prowling the neighborhood, they're going to be able to detect them. And, they, and, and that's also a deterrent because criminals are not going to want to wear firearms, illegally gotten firearms, not the type that I have, um, you know, where I have to have a permit and pay $400 every, every so often. And uh, which disparages against low-income people because they're being denied their basic right to bear arms because they can't afford it. But, you know, back to the topic at hand, you want to deter crime. And we talked about the, uh, the crime right here in this park, um, you know, and I, I talked to a lot of merchants along Greenpoint Avenue in my neighborhood. And what they miss is that physical police presence. Um, like I said, when I was in MP school, military police school, the first thing they taught us after, you know, you learn how to wear your uniform in basic training and you look sharp. But the first thing they taught us was that a show of force is the first level of force. And if they see a well-organized police force that looks professional, that acts professional, and it provides professional service, it's going to deter the crime. It's going to stop a lot of your lower petty street crime. 
and it's going to drive it underground, and then that's when your surveillance units and your, your street crime units, your plain clothes units come into play, and they're able to suppress the crime before it starts. I don't think you're going to see that with an Adams administration. I think you definitely see it with a Sliwa administration. He's, you know, he's had his run-ins because he had to supplement law enforcement because of bad policy in the past, but he's, like myself, very pro-law enforcement. Um, and I, I think he's going to support the cops. And, and, and a lot of it is it's not just the money. It's the uh, executive giving the police the authority to carry out their responsibility. Right now, the de Blasio administration has tied the hands of the police, and the criminals are running rampant. Uh, m- murder is up. Petty crime is up. Crime of all sorts is up. And you're going to see more of the same under an Adams administration. And that's a shame coming from a former police officer. When you think about, uh, you know, the, the crime being uh, used as a means to control a community, I mean, we saw that with, uh, back in the day, uh, Irish gangs were used to, uh, you know, keep certain people in line, deny people the right to vote or push people to vote one way or another. Same thing with other gangs up in uh, places like Harlem, Italian gangs uh, in the old sections of the Bronx that, that they had. Uh, you have similar types of crime here, you know, back back even during the uh, uh, more recent era uh, when, when the mob was still very active uh, and, and, and they used uh, elections. Do you think that, that uh, some of these criminal gangs somehow have some connection with some of these uh, politicians? Because it seems to be they're letting them go. They're letting them out of prison or jail. Uh, they're, they're giving them no bail, revolving door. Uh, it's all crime, no punishment, is what a lot of people are saying. Do you think that uh, there's some kind of alliance almost between some political, not not the entire Democratic Party, not the entire Republican Party, but some politicians seem to be a little too friendly in helping criminals get back out on the street? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, again, my fight is not with Democrats. My fight is with the socialists that have hijacked their party and abused them. But yeah, you're always going to have cunning criminals that are going to ally themselves with politicians. And, and you see um, you see that in BLM and the Black Panthers, you know, the cunning ones, the smart ones, they, they wiggle their way out of jail and they get into politics and, um, you know, they make the payoffs. And the payoffs are not just in money. The payoffs are in policy, like we just discussed, where there's this um, catch and release, uh, no bail, this poor bail reform. That's got to end. I mean, when you can punch the chief of patrol in the face, and be out on the street the next day, there's a problem. There's a huge problem. But, you know, using crime to subdue and suppress voters for their vote and to control them is nothing new. Two of the most notable socialists, Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin, were arch criminals. They both had criminal records. They both engaged in criminal activities. They were both bullies by nature, and they both bullied the populace into um, getting them elected or putting them into power. And, and once, once the people recognized that they put the wrong folks in power, you know, Hitler was elected once. Um, I believe the same with Stalin. But once the people realized that socialism wasn't the answer and that these people were brutal thieves, they, they, be, you know, they, 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 they move into a brutal dictatorship and they start physically oppressing people. And I think you're starting to see that with the... Uh, the Biden administration, at a national level, you have the FBI suppressing parents 
who stand up to critical race theory. Why? Because these parents are effective. You know, that's one of the things I want to bring to the city of New York is a local board of, elect, uh, board of education where the board is elected by the residents of each borough and there's a board of election in each borough that is accountable to the citizen. They see that and that scares them because they're not able to indoctrinate the youth if uh, the parents stand up and the parents are recognized. We talked last week about, um, I think it's Terry McAuliffe running down there in Virginia. Parents do not have the right to tell teachers what they should be teaching their own child. I mean, for a politician to stand up and say that, it's not just ludicrous, it's scary. Um, but they're scared. The, the socialists and the Democrat Party are scared because they've been busted, they've been caught. And the more that people get vocal and speak out, the better we'll all be. But yes, absolutely, there's, there's organized crime within the Socialist Party, and they use and abuse their authority. If you look at Hochul and her mandates, all unlawful, all unconstitutional, but then you have a justice like Sotomayor say, we're not going to hear that case. Now, hopefully, the, uh, the mandate issue works its way through the lower courts, and it lands at the Supreme Court, and it has to. When, when they did that with the uh, presidential election, I, I felt that was very wrong because, you know, anything to deal with state to state or with the chief executive, the president, should go directly to the Supreme Court. So, you know, once they're in power, they abuse and misuse the law to their benefit. So there's definitely an organized criminal element within the Socialist Party. And you'll see more and more of the street gang types like Antifa and BLM come in like the Nazis used the brown shirts. Um, I forget the uh, the physical wing of the Bolsheviks, but yes, absolutely, they go through the neighborhoods and they use threats and intimidations to either intimidate people from voting the other way or to force coerce people in to voting their way. They've they've misused the unions. You know, these unions have got to start representing their workers. I'm in a union that takes my money and they support socialist ideology, and, and, and it's. it's it's just disheartening. It's like the working man hasn't got a say, hasn't got a chance of making it. But um, what we need to do is we need to prosecute the criminality. Now, you can't prosecute based on pedigree because, like with the Internal Security Act of 1950, they'll say, oh, that's a bias, that's a prejudice. But you can definitely prosecute criminal behavior, and we have to do it at every turn. We have to hold these socialists uh, accountable. It, it turns out that de Blasio has misspent some funds, but does the FBI come and raid his office and his home like they did uh, Sergeant Mullins? No. And, and that's, that's the way they misuse and abuse their power. They're very selective in who they want to prosecute. So we've got to end that. We've got to make it fair, and, and we've got to deter crime by making it uncomfortable. We talked about RICO the last time. And RICO is definitely appropriate because what a lot of people don't realize is that with RICO, you know, you get one predicate offense and you can prosecute them for the whole criminal conspiracy. But also RICO allows the government to confiscate the ill-gotten goods. And once you do that, you disincentivize the crime. <clears throat> so the short answer to your question is, <clears throat> excuse me, yes, there's definitely a criminal aspect to organized gangs. And, and you know, these guys that start out in the street gangs, the cunning ones, they get smart, they accumulate wealth through things like uh, drug sales and, and burglary and extortion and things like that, and um, they, they put it where it will do them the most good, in this case, investing 
it in politicians, and they, they've done very well at that. So, yes, absolutely. Do you worry about that in your particular race here? Uh, you know, in 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 uh, you know this 26th district. There's still, you know, the police are quick to point out, or at least some at NYPD are quick to point out that you know, oh, the gang problem isn't what it used to be. But it's still a problem. I mean, there still is a very large presence of uh, various organized crime groups. And not all of them are American. Some of them are cartels from Mexico that are now here and operating openly. Uh, you have uh, gangs from uh, Asia. Uh, I mean, I look around, I can still see a little bit. And I see gang sign on some of the walls, you know. And it's the same gang sign you would see in Hong Kong or other places in Asia. Uh, so, so that tells me that, oh, the Fujian gangs are here from China. Uh, so, so what do you want to do to keep that in check for, for crime here in the 26th district? Because crime is a problem. They don't talk about it much, but it is. Well, see, the thing is, you have to recognize it like yourself. And uh, you have to have a very robust intelligence unit. Now, I was at a fundraiser with Vicky Palladino and, and Curtis Sliwa. And Curtis brought out the fact that um, the Blasio pretty much decimated the NYPD intelligence unit. And when it, you know, when it comes to gang suppression, when it comes to organized criminal conspiracy, you have to have intelligence because you have to build a case based on probable cause with uh, warrants. And that's the only way to go after the organized criminal. So absolutely, I would uh, bring back the uh, intelligence unit or I, I would beef it up. And people have to realize, see, that the problem is the socialists will always play the race card. Now, you have people within certain communities that are loyal Americans that realize the first people organized criminal gangs, and this is true with any gang that's existed in New York. You talked about the Irish mobs, the Italian mobs, um, the, the black gangs, the Latin kings, the older gangs, the Asian tongs and the Asian gangs. First people they victimize are their own ethnicity, um, and especially if they're a vulnerable immigrant population, because a lot of them come from places where they don't have good community relations. You know, I was, I was able to uh, make friends with some in the Asian American Cohesion Association out in Flushing, and what I want to do is I want to bring that to our district, but not just with one ethnicity, but with all ethnicities. And, um, you know, recently we've had a spike in uh, hate crime against Asians um, because, because of... Uh, of what the Chinese Communist Party has done to us with, with the coronavirus. But, you know, the average person perpetrating that crime is too ignorant to realize that, you know, being Asian is a race, not necessarily an ethnicity. And the beautiful people of China really had nothing to do with perpetrating that crime. It's a vicious socialist government that did that. Um, so, you know, the, the ignorant will always go after the innocent. But, you know, I, I would like to see a robust cooperation between the community and the police. But without that intelligence, without the ability to get in and gather evidence so that you can build a case based on probable cause and prosecute them, our hands are tied behind our backs. Because, you know, the most successful criminal is going to sit back and let other people on the street do their dirty bidding. But then, you know, they're not, not going to get their hands dirty and they're going to insulate themselves with murder you know if a guy is culpable and they think he's weak they're going to kill him so he can't testify against him so without without a robust intelligence unit we're at a loss and that crime is going to continue 
undercover, and the average citizen may not see it because they're not the direct victim. You know, they're the victim in higher taxes and in the political graft and corruption and the loss of their freedom ultimately to the socialists because uh, those gangs will ally with the socialists to pay them off. But we have to, we have to suppress that. Again, I, I can't stress enough what de Blasio did to the NYPD intelligence unit is horrible because it allows these criminal gangs and terrorists and terrorists to flourish. And, and it's just a great danger to our community. So I, I want to see that unit beefed up and I want to see more cooperation between the community and, and the police department. And I want, I want the citizen to be able to come forward and say, look, I'm being victimized and I want it stopped. The, the people have got to know that the officers are there to help them. And, and right now, I, I think there's, uh, you know, they've, they've gone out and built a divide between the police department and the people they serve. And, and our police department is very reflective of the residents of the city. It's a majority-minority police department. But, you know, that gets lost whenever less than 1% of, of the officers on NYPD do something that may be wrong, um, sometimes it's questionable. Um, sometimes people get frustrated, and maybe they do need a little discipline or retraining. But by and large, we have the best police department in the world. And unfortunately, the socialist propaganda has pulled the people away from their police department, the police department that's eager to serve them. So I, th I think it's twofold. I think we, we uh, reconstitute the intelligence unit, and we foster police community relations, and that's how we deal. We, you know, we have to subject the criminal to scorn, ridicule, and contempt instead of the honest citizen and the police officer. And that's what the socialists have done. They've reversed things. You know, they're very pro-criminal. If you look at all of the policy coming out of this administration and coming from Albany, it favors criminality. And what people don't realize is if you look in Rikers, the Blasio and the rest of the socialists have created an Eighth Amendment nightmare. I mean, they, you know, they get upset if you want to put to death a murderer or a rapist. Meanwhile, when a young person goes into a prison environment, goes into Rikers Island, they're subject to murder and rape. And, and that gets lost on people. That's a socialist, a Democrat socialist created atrocity, and it, it needs to end. Um, so, yeah, we, we need more intelligence, more police intelligence, and we need a stronger relationship between the police and the community, kind of like what I would do with my Cub Scouts. You know, they were always taught to um, seek out an officer if you were separated from your parents and you needed help. And, and we got to get back to that. Election day, you're always welcome to come on with us, uh, Marvin, and, and uh, you know we'll, we'll try and uh, get your word out there because I know you're having trouble getting it out in the regular media as well. I've called some of the local papers and tried to submit stories on, on your race and other friends of mine who are running and, and other things. And some of them were even Democrats, but they weren't the selected Democrats, or they weren't the, the you know the, the, the pick ones. So uh, there seems to be that uh, uh, great firewall, blue firewall, they're calling it, about, about getting information out. So I want to thank you for coming in uh, this morning. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Mike, I want to thank you so much for doing what you're doing and bringing light to all these situations, asking questions that need to be answered that our Democrat, socialist opposition won't answer. And I invite all your listeners to visit our website, MarvinJeffcoat.com, www.MarvinJeffcoat.com, MarvinJeffcoat.com. If you can make a donation, please do. Encourage your friends to get out and vote for you.
vote for us. Um, I'm one man working for all of us. And, I, you know, I, I hope to get in there and correct the mess that de Blasio and the other Democrat socialists have made. Again, thank you very much.